Hey, kia ora St. Luke's. Thanks, Heidi. Uh, sorry I can't be with you in person this morning, uh, but nevertheless, we're going to push on. We're going to have a good time with Advent 3. We're still in the land of Narnia. I hope you're wearing pink uh, this morning as we celebrate joy because we, we've been lighting purple candles, but now we've got a pink candle because, hey, it's getting that much closer. So we're in Prince Caspian, the return to Narnia. Uh, Lucy is walking through a forest, and she notices that the trees are starting to come alive. It's the, it's the little video clip that we've been playing at the start of the service when you come in. So uh, let, me, uh, let me read. Creation is reacting to the presence of the one who is both the creator and salvation. You couldn't see whether he had feet or roots, of course, because when trees move, they don't walk on the surface of the earth. They wade in it as we do in water. The same thing happened with every tree she looked at. At one moment, they seemed to be friendly, lovely giant and giantess forms, which the tree people put on when some good magic has called them into life. Next moment, they all looked like trees again. But when they looked like trees, it was like strangely human trees. And when they looked like people, it was like strangely branchy and leafy people. They are almost awake, but not quite, said Lucy. She knew herself was wide awake, wider than anyone usually is. That would be a cool sermon, but we won't do that one this morning. Uh, she knew herself to be wide awake, wider than anyone usually is. She went fearlessly in among them, dancing herself as she leaped this way and that to avoid being run into by these huge partners. But she was only half interested in them. She wanted to get beyond them, into something else. It was from beyond them that the dear voice had called. She soon got through them, stepping out from among their shifting confusion of lovely lights and shadows. A circle of grass, smooth as a lawn, met her eyes, with dark trees dancing all around it. And then, oh joy, for there he was, the huge lion shining in the moonlight. But for the movement of his tail, he might have been a stone lion, but Lucy never thought of that. She never stopped to think whether he was a friendly lion or not. She rushed to him. She felt her heart would burst if she lost a moment. And the next thing she knew, that she was kissing him and putting her arms as far around his neck as she could and burying her face in his beautiful, rich silkiness of a mane. Aslan, Aslan, dear Aslan, sobbed Lucy at last. The great beast rolled over on his side so that Lucy fell, half sitting, half lying between his front paws. He bent forward and just touched her nose with his tongue. His warm breath came all around her. She gazed up into his large, wise face. Welcome, child, he said. Aslan, said Lucy, you're bigger. That is because you are older, little one, answered he. Not because you are? I am not. But every year you grow, you will find me bigger. Everywhere, uh, every year you grow, you will find me bigger. Bigger. We're going we're gonna to pick up on that this morning as we journey through Advent 3, the third Sunday of Advent. Uh, to change genre completely, uh, Ricky Bobby in Talligator Nights is perhaps not growing everywhere every year. Perhaps one could suggest that he is stalled in his faith journey, his discipleship journey. So let's watch a little clip of Ricky Bobby. <laughs> hey, <coughs> hey, Carl, why don't you just shut up? Yes, ma'am. Uh, if you're the one praying, then you get to pick your favorite Jesus. Uh, just in case you're wondering, it, do it doesn't work like that. It doesn't, it doesn't work like that. We don't get to design Jesus. We don't get to pause Jesus. We don't get to box Jesus. In one sense, we don't even get to define Jesus. Uh, the ineff ineffability of God is the, is the idea that God is 
beyond comprehension. Uh, rather, we, we meet Jesus in Scripture, and as we, as we journey through Scripture and our understanding of Scripture grows, we, we grow in our understanding of Jesus. Uh, at the same time, we encounter Jesus in a kind of mysterious way in life, and as we journey through life and continue to encounter Jesus, our, our understanding of Jesus grows and develops there. But we don't get to just make it up, and you don't get to just kind of pause in your favorite life cycle of Jesus. It doesn't, doesn't work like that. Uh, like Aslan in the Narnia stories, though, Jesus doesn't always feel present in the same way, doesn't often turn up and do the same thing twice, doesn't necessarily turn up on our schedule all the time, and yet he is always present. But we journey with Jesus in this mystery, and as we grow in life, we discover all the time that he is bigger than we ever imagined. But not because Jesus grows bigger. He's, he's already infinite. He's before all things, and in, in him all things hold together. His embrace uh, envelops the entire cosmos. And, and he asks, like we looked at last week, shall we be friends? But it's our understanding, it's our appreciation, it's our perception of Christ that grows. Which isn't to say that we discover Jesus to be more liberal than we originally thought. Uh, I think at times when people imagine a bigger Jesus, they imagine a more liberal Jesus. I don't really like the terms liberal or conservative, though, uh, in relation to faith, in relation to theology. I don't think those terms are nuanced enough. What about as we journey through life, the, the beauty of Christ comes to take on color and texture and dimensions that we hadn't uh, imagined or seen previously? Uh, what about the goodness of God in Christ Jesus becomes more expansive and more far-reaching and more persuasive than we've ever known? Uh, what about the truth of Christ's words and his example becomes more compelling, more captivating as, as we journey through life? The faithfulness of Jesus is more stirring and more inspiring than you previously realized. Uh, rather than liberal or conservative, the, the mercy, the love, the justice of God in Christ becomes uh, beautifully magnificent as you journey alongside it and inside of it. The, the good news of the gospel grows and grows and, and you discover it to be better news than you've just realized. It becomes more compelling, uh, more serious, more engaging, uh, more animating, more life-giving. It, it grows in that sense. Not as a ticket out of here, but as an invitation to truly live, continually being born again and again. He's not the dear Lord baby Jesus. He's the king, I tell you. Uh, which is exciting, but it can also be unsettling. Discovering Jesus to be bigger than you've ever imagined before that, well, that, that, can be, that can be unsettling. That, that can lead to some de disorientation. Hopefully, though, some reorientation as well. The letting go is hard because sometimes we've, we've un, uh, misunderstood discipleship as being the downloading of information rather than the ongoing adventure of journeying through life with Christ. Uh, we see it as a kind of set and forget reality. Learn the right information. Uh, learn what it is that a Christian is supposed to believe. Uh, set the moral compass. Be faithful in church. And away you go. Now you can kind of focus on other things. It's not how it is, though. I think that kind of idea sells short the idea of our Christian journey as a pilgrimage, as an ongoing journey throughout the entirety of our lives, an adventure in growing up and developing a childlike faith. The integration of our faith with every facet of our lives, especially in the wilderness, in the dark night of the soul, in those dying moments uh, where Aslan, where Christ feels distant, then suddenly very close, and then distance, distant 
again, but it's disorientating, yet that's that invitation to grow. Uh, I've repurposed a map that I uh, used in a sermon series a few years ago. Uh, I, I think I've got the Garden of Eden or the Garden of Delight. Eden means delight up in the top left corner. And if you, if you imagine our life, it's a journey from that garden back to that, that garden. It's a, it's a journey from the garden to the city, from the Garden of Delight to the New Jerusalem. Um, but throughout that journey, it, it's a wild adventure through all sorts of kind of seasons. Uh, because of the map that I use, they're mainly all kind of negative things on the map. There's joys and wonders and delights, but some of the things that I've got on the map, uh, we've got the dead end of unforgiveness. We've got the swamps of apathy. We've got the valley of wrong expectations. We've got the green grass on the other side of the fence that's always there. Uh, the discipleship journey or adventure of being a Christian is a journey through this, this map. Uh, it's not a classroom learning some facts, but a real life of wonder and delight and heartache and pain and suffering and love and creativity and death and recovery and triumph and despair and hope and loss and victory. It's this, just this wild adventure there and back again to steal from the hobbit. You may find a girl. You may settle down if you want to. You can marry. At least, uh, uh, you know, you might buy a house or get a tent or buy a camper van, but you, you don't get to park yourself on the map. You don't get to park yourself in life. It's an ongoing adventure, and it's an ongoing journey. So every day is this, this new day, this new adventure, and who knows how it's going to go. I think more than that, and uh, this can be disorientating, but I think uh, I'm convinced that the tour guide is quite mad, a holy fool. Uh, at least quite mad and quite foolish from this perspective of the world that we live in. Christ, this, this mad tour guide that, that journeys alongside us always, but not necessarily always present like we might imagine. Uh, Mr. Beaver in the line, the witch in the, the wardrobe, safe? Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. Uh, Celtic spirituality refers to the Holy Spirit as Angeti Glass, the wild goose. They talk not of a wild goose chase, but of following the wild goose whose call is strong, challenging, and unnerving. So we have this tour guide, tour guide that is a, a holy fool whose call is, is, is unnerving, strong, challenging, unnerving. Our tour guide, a wild goose, our hope, a lion, our sure foundation, the one who says, I am who I am. Well, that's not going to be a walk along. Uh, that's not going to be a walk in the park. Uh, that's that's going to be some sort of an adventure. That's not a hand holding stroll along the beach. That's a journey and an adventure of orientation and disorientation and reorientation. It's exactly what we see in the Psalms. The Psalms are these prayers of how amazing you are, and then Lord, where are you? This has disappeared, and this has turned to a disaster, and you're not doing anything, and then oh. There you are, all along you've been present. This disorienta uh, orientation, disorientation, reorientation. All in the love of God. But you can't hurry love. You just have to wait. Love doesn't come easily. It's a game of give and take, as the, the old Christian chorus that we used to sing in the 80s. So we've been during through Advent. Advent number one, you have to go through the wardrobe again. Uh, you have to go around the sun again, circle around that calendar again. Are you brave enough to adventure through the wardrobe again? Advent too, we pay attention to Jesus. And the Jesus that we're paying attention to, he's not always present to us like we're most used to or, or in the same way. Sometimes it's rumors, sometimes it's tall tales or stories. 
Sometimes it's a kingdom person rather than the king. Sometimes you're seen, but you're unable to convince anyone else. Sometimes you're seen and believing, but you can't really be bothered. Sometimes you're just trusting the word of someone else and, and pushing forward, a friend, a pastor, a psalm, a song. Advent 3, though, this morning. Every year that you grow, you will find me bigger. And the theme is joy. Joy, even though it might feel disorientating. Joy, even though at times you have to let go of impoverished ideas. Joy, even though it's not always working out how it used to work. Joy, even though you're waiting for an answer, that miracle, that understanding, that provision, that encounter, whatever it might be, but it hasn't come yet. Joy, nevertheless. Joy because you wouldn't want it any other way, and it couldn't be any other way. It's an adventure, and it unfolds, and it develops, and it twists and turns, and you learn things along the way. But as you grow, you discover ever that Christ is bigger. Marriage is a similar kind of journey. Marriage vows, I love you. Uh, I've told you now. Uh, uh, you know, we, I said it in the vows, and if I uh, ever change my mind, I'll let you know. No, it doesn't work like that. It's an ongoing adventure. Uh, honeymoon, that was fun. Get that out of the way. Tick, on to the next thing. No, no, no. Mar marriage is not, is not a wedding. Marriage is the adventure of journeying through all of life together, focusing on different things in different seasons at different ages and stages, highs and lows and curveballs and a mystery and tears and laughter and growing together our constantly changing dynamic that we attend to, and it shapes us and it forms us. Exactly the same with our relationship with God. Different seasons in life. Uh, deconstruction's not just a deconstruction and reconstruction. It's not just a postmodern phenomenon. Like I said, it's been there right back to the, the Psalms. Orientation, disorientation, reorientation, as we're learning and developing, growing in our journey. In Christ, though, we know hope and peace and joy and love as we go through that process. I'm continually dying and yet continually coming alive, continually letting go, going through experiencing disorientation and discovering reorientation. When you return to the spaces uh, that you knew as a child, you, you imagine them to be so big, but sometimes when, when you get back to them, they're not as big as what you imagined. I remember the mountain that I climbed as a four-year-old or something, uh, my little brother Thomas had to be carried on dad's shoulders because he wasn't big enough to make it to the top. The summit high in the clouds at altitude, that's what an adult would have said, we're at altitude now. Uh, you need more layers of, of clothing for protection up there. Uh, going back to Mount Pawanui now, it's, not, it's really not as big as I imagined uh, as a kid at the time. It's just a very underwhelming 3.8 kilometer track. Uh, the cross country that I came third in at intermediate year seven or form one, that was a big course, massive paddocks, uh, a forest of the biggest trees that you've ever seen, a huge hill up the back of the course out in the middle of the nowhere and you had to make your, your way back down. Uh, that whole area now, though, they've developed into Waipuna Park and it's the bottom of Kairimako Road and the, the massive forest's trees is just a few walnut trees that are there. It's not really that as, as impressive as I remembered as, as a young guy. The flavor of the day ice creams at the Gretton Dairy, they were huge. Felt like four or five scoops of ice cream on a single cone. Uh, and they must have been like only 50 cents at the time or something. And you go back now, and I, I think they were just two scoops of ice cream on a cone. But when you're little, it seems so big. I wonder, though, if we return to the Jesus of our childhood, of our early Christian journey, of years ago, we'd discover 
something pretty similar. We discover a far smaller Jesus than the one that we know and walk with now. For as we grow, Jesus grows bigger as well. Uh, and the invitation really is to brace yourself for the journey ahead, to discover as you continually uh, continue to grow into the future that, that Jesus grows ever bigger again. Tidings of comfort and joy. Ricky Bobby prays, Dear Lord, baby Jesus. But in John's vision of Christ in the book of Revelation, we, we don't have Dear Lord, baby Jesus anymore. Revelation chapter 5, verse 1 to 4. Then I saw at the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, Who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it. I wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. Uh, the scroll that is sealed in the book of Revelation in, in chapter 5 there is, is the true story of history. The, the true story of humanity, past, present, future, from God's perspective. Uh, it's the revelation of how things really are. Uh, things are broken and things have gone astray, but, but everything is dearly beloved of God and is destined to be restored and reconciled and put back together. But, but who is worthy to open that scroll? Who's worthy to tell that story? Uh, who's worthy to sum up history? Who's worthy to pass, justice, uh, pass judgment and see justice done? Who can open the scroll and reveal God's rescue plan for creation? No one is worthy. So, so John weeps, he cries. It seems that the universe lacks a champion. There's no one in all of creation who hasn't contributed to the problems of the cosmos. No one is worthy. John need not cry, though. One of the elders, he said to him, Do not weep. See the lion of the tribe of Judah. The root of David has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. John need not cry. In, indeed, every tear will be wiped away. Here comes the Messiah, the true human, the true Israel, the Savior of the world, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, who will establish God's throne on earth, and all will be well. So John, John hears this instruction. Look, here comes the Lion of the tribe of Judah. And he turns and looks. And what does he see? Then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing at the center of the throne, encircled by four living creatures and the elders. Here we have the, the central paradox of revelation and indeed of our Christian faith. Uh, Jesus conquered, but not, he didn't stay, dear Lord, baby Jesus. He, he grew up and he gave his life and he conquered upon the cross. He was victorious. He defeated sin and death. He rose again. But he conquered not by force, but by death. Not by violence, but by martyrdom. The lion is the lamb. The mighty lion and the slain lamb are one in the same. Ultimate power, ultimate royalty, ultimate authority. And then at the same time, ultimate gentleness, ultimate kindness, ultimate vulnerability, ultimate sacrifice. The triumph of the lion outworked through the lamb that was slain. Victory not by might nor by power, but by life-giving, grace-giving, creative, recreative, resurrecting, restoring work of the Spirit of God. This is, this is this beautiful image of, of revelation. This is this beautiful image of where the dear Lord baby Jesus grows up to be and become. The lion of the tribe of Judah that is the lamb that was slain, that is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Jesus bigger than before. 
Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice, they were saying, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them saying, to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. The four living creatures said, amen, and the elders fell down and worshiped. It's this picture of the, the throne room of God. Uh, we've got 24 elders. We've got 12 elders representing the Old Testament and the 12 tribes of Israel. We've got 12 elders representing the New Testament and the 12 apostles. Uh, the 24 of them function as the, the 24 divisions of priests that is listed in First Chronicles. But uh, ultimately, they're a symbolic of all of God's people, bowing down and worshiping. The faith community, victorious overcomers with their crowns, serving as royal priests, ruling over creation. Uh, earlier in the chapter, it talks about uh, lightning and thunder and wonder. The four living creatures representing the rest of creation, the most powerful and regal of creatures, one like a lion, which is the noblest, one like an ox, which is the strongest, one like an eagle, which is the swiftest, one like a man, which is the wisest. All the elders, all the creatures, all the, of God's people, all of creation declaring glory to God and to the Lamb. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is to come. You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. This is a far cry from dear Lord, baby Jesus. This is, oh, joy complete. This is, this is good tidings of comfort and joy. And we're in Advent, and we celebrate the coming of Christ then. And we celebrate the reality that Christ shows up in our lives today, and we wait patiently for that. But we celebrate as well that Christ will come again. That dear Lord baby Jesus becomes the Lion of the tribe of Judah, that is the Lamb that was slain, that is the King of kings, the Lord of lords, bigger all the time. And all will be made well. All manner of things will be made well. It's the third Sunday of Advent. We're in pink. The theme's joy. We've got so much reason for joy. Why don't we stand together and I'll close with our benediction and then Heidi will take over. As you go this morning, may your eyes be open to see beyond the obvious. May you go with a fresh awareness of the depth and wonder and love of mystery and mystery of God at work in your life and in the world. May you be brave and adventure every day, the lifelong journey of discipleship. Even when the tour guide seems entirely mad, know that every year you grow, you will find Christ bigger. May you know too in this season the love of God, the life of Christ, and the peace of the Holy Spirit as your own in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, grace and peace to you, my brothers and sisters. Heide will take over, and we'll see you next Sunday for the fourth Sunday of Advent. Catch up.